Good evening, church. Not my box. So if you're going to make fun of the box, make fun of somebody else. Not my box. I found it. But that's the mystery box. In that box is the number one way to discern in our lives. Want to see it? No? Okay. Put it there. All right. Uh, I have a little guy at school. Those of you that don't know me, I'm an I'm a, uh, assistant principal. Been there for five years, been a teacher for 21 before that. Um, for some reason, I became a principal. Some days I wish I was back in the gym throwing balls at kids, but a whole different story. Um, I got a little guy at school. He brings this, uh, it's about that big. It's a, it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex like doll or something like that, but you talk to it. And every day, Charles is his name. He's sitting there in the cafeteria and he says, do you like Mr. Emmerine? And this T-Rex makes this noise, and he says it's saying no every time, but I've never heard it say no. So how many people remember the magic eight ball? Come on. I know you remember that. Ma Some of you young people, magic eight ball, they're still around, I guess. So I used to have one. If I had one right now, here's what I would say. Magic 8-Ball, have the men counselors ever lost a game of water polo at Tri-State U-Series? And it would say, no way, because it never happens, right? And so that's the answer for everything right there. Magic 8-Ball. In the box is not a Magic 8-Ball. Sorry, not a Magic 8-Ball in this box. But it is the number one way to discern. Right from wrong, good and bad. So you want to see? <coughs> research says, research says that most young people these days, you know how they know the difference between right and wrong? It's what their peer group says or how their friends believe. That's what most young people I also ask kids at school, when do you stop being a young person? They say 50, so I'm still a young person. So most young people, they get right and wrong or good and bad from their peer group, from their friends. Is that really how we tell good and bad? It's what my friends think? How many likes I got on my social media? Well, if I got 1,000 likes, it must be right. It must be good, right? Whatever I shared on Facebook, everybody liked it, so it must be right. That's not the number one way, and I don't have your friends in this box, okay? Not in the box. But I do have something in the box, number one way to discern right from wrong, okay? And I'll show it to you. But first, we've got to keep talking, okay? Parents, I know. Okay, we'll get there, okay? We'll get there. Ugh, open the box, man! Parents? Is that what you get right and wrong from, young people? Parents? If they're sitting here right now, shake your head yes. <laughs> if they're not here, it's okay if you do this. My dad, listen to this. If my, if my, when I was young and I was in a car, my dad was that guy driving down the road, and somebody did something that he didn't agree with. 
he thought it was major evil, major bad, whatever. My dad would get in the other lane and go around them, and as he went around them, he would give them this. <laughs> I learned that I didn't want to be that guy, so I didn't do that. Okay, but sometimes I'll play in the car and I'll say, "This is." I'll tell my wife, "This is what my dad would do." You know, give him the look. You know, you don't have to say nothing. You just got that look. You know. Um, so, do you get that from your parents? I tell pe I tell young people this at school all the time, because most of the time I'm talking to kids about right and wrong because they did something wrong. So, I say, "Where do you hear those words? Where do you hear those words you use?" I got some that don't want to throw mom and dad under the bus. Smart move, probably. But they'll say movies or YouTube or whatever. But you know some of them hear that stuff from their mom and dad. I say, well, hey, when you're riding with mom and dad and somebody cuts you off, what does mom do? Hey, it's just us in my office. I'm not going to call mom and tell her what you tell me. Oh, my mom goes around him and cuts him off. And she might even say a cuss word, Mr. Amarine. Okay, do you want to be like that? Do you want to, do you want to be that? Because that person's pretty unhappy. My dad was that person. They're pretty unhappy. Do you want to be like that? No, 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 Mr. Amarine. Okay, then why'd you say that to them on the playground? Okay? So, is it your parents? Is that the number one way? I don't have your parents in this box. I'm sorry. No parents in the box. Nobody's parents in the box. But I do have something in the box. Number one way to discern right from wrong. Guess what else it's not? It's not YouTube. It's not social media. It's none of that stuff. That's not in the box. Okay? Not in the box. I'll show you what's in the box. Later. I'll show you later. My topic is door number two, door of discernment. I don't think Steve said this last time. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Hatch. Bless you. I don't think... I don't think Steve used that one last time. He might have. So I have discernment, door of discernment. What is discernment? Okay, telling good from bad, right from wrong. Knowing differences between good and evil. Should I do this? Shouldn't I do this? You know, it's funny. Every time a kid comes into my office and I say, you think you should have done that on the playground? No, that was wrong to do. Why'd you do it? They know it's wrong. But they did it anyways. And if you read the Bible at all, they knew it was wrong. They did it anyways. Most of the stuff I did in my life that was wrong, I knew it was wrong. So my scripture, Hebrews 5, verse 14, that kind of went along with this, door of discernment. Hebrews 5, 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, I told you that some research says that most young people get their, their, their right and their wrongs from their peer group. I'm going to tell you guys, that is not accurate. Most of your friends will tell you something that they think you want to hear. Okay? That is not accurate. If you're listening to your friend group, you got to think about some stuff. Because most people don't like absolutes. Most people in our world today don't like absolutes. Well, if everybody thinks it's okay, we can do that. 
This is absolute. This is black and white. Most people want to decide if it feels right, it's right. They don't want that absolute because they want their personal choice. I don't want somebody else telling me what to do. I want to make up my own mind, and I want to be able to decide. Turn in your, if, you're, if you don't have your Bible open, you need to open it. Turn it, turn it, Proverbs 14, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. If you're taking notes, make sure you write that down. You can look at it later. But if you have your Bible, open it. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Well, if it feels right, then it must be right. It just says right there, there's a way that seems right to man, but its end is death. Look at Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Isaiah 5, verse 20 tells us, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Sounds a little bit like our society these days. They call good evil and evil good. You don't have to go very far on the news to see some of that stuff. But I'm here to tell you, young people, and everybody really, right is right all the time. It doesn't matter if you're the only person doing it. If it's right according to scripture, it is right all the time. Doesn't matter if you're the only person. And on the flip side of that coin, Wrong is wrong all the time. It does not matter if everybody in the world is doing it. And there's some things in our world that a lot of people are doing. That doesn't make it right. I don't care if five million people are saying it's right. If it's wrong according to this, then it's wrong all the time. And young people, I, I'm in the school every day. I know what's happening. And you guys are the future. You're the future of people that are going to change the world. Not grow up and just live in this world. Change the world. Our world right now is trying to change what's right to fit ourselves. And that can't happen. That can't happen. So I'm just going to let scripture speak a little bit. This might be kind of hard for you to see. It's kind of hard for me to see, and I'm right here next to it. Um, Good man at the top, on the left side. This is, this is what the Bible says on good and evil. So if you're taking notes, Psalm 37, verse 23, talks about a good man. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. But it also talks about an evil man in Psalm 140, verse 1. Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men. So the Bible talks about good and evil. It doesn't talk about a gray area there in the middle. It also talks about good works. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It also talks about evil works. James 3, verse 16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Think about your school. Think about the world. 
Are there jealous folks out there? Are there selfish people out there? Is there confusion? There's a lot of confusion going on in our world today. It talks about the good path, Proverbs 2.9. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. It talks about evil courses, Jeremiah 23.10. For the land is full of adulterers, for because of a curse the land mourns. The pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up, their course of life is evil, and their might is not right. So it talks about good advice. Proverbs 20, verse 18. Plans are established by counsel, by wise counsel wage war. Talks about evil counsel on the flip side, Isaiah 7, 6. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have plotted evil against you, saying. Talks about good fruit. Matthew 7, 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Talks about evil fruit in Matthew 7, 18. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. And then it talks about a good heart, Luke 8, 18. But the ones that fell on good ground are those who have heard, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. It also discusses an evil heart, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And then finally it talks about good morals. 1 Corinthians 16, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And then the last one finally is evil dealings. 1 Samuel 2, 23. So he said to them, why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. So those are just some examples from scripture about good and bad, good and evil. And so if scripture is full of that stuff, then it must be that the Bible is our one true guide for discerning all things. And so how do we know how to discern all things? Well, we better know the Bible. Okay, look at some biblical failures. I got one biblical failure of discernment that I want to look at. Look at Luke chapter 12. This will be a familiar story for most of you. Luke chapter 12. We'll start in verse 16 of Luke 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. It's a parable of the rich fool here. It says, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no more room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, and I'll build greater. And there I will restore all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So when you get a chance one of these times, because we talked about self-seeking on one of those scriptures, underline everything that has to do with I, him, me, my, himself, and see, see what you come up with. There's a lot of those in there. I, 
my, myself. Sounds like a lot of self-seeking. So this rich man here, he trusted in material things. He's talking about, oh, I got so much, I'll just have to build barns and, and bigger barns, and I can have more stuff, and, and then I don't have to do anything. He left God out of his life. He says he's going to say to his soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. But God called him a fool. So there are, I mean, there's biblical examples of, of failing to discern properly. So how do we discern wisely? How does a person go about discerning wisely? I have seven things that I'll tell you about how we discern wisely. Number one, faith. Faith. Hebrews 11, 20, 24 and 25. Everybody's familiar with Hebrews 11, 6. Look at Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He could have had it all, but he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh. Son of Pharaoh's daughter. But he could have had everything. But the last part of verse 25. Rather than suffer affliction with. Uh, uh, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. That's not going to last. Discerned wisely. So we got to have faith. Number two is hope. Same chapter. Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Hoped is absolutely. Number two, hope. Number three, love. John chapter 14, verse 23. John 14, verse 23 says, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Number three is love. Number four is courage. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Number four is courage. That's not very popular with the world. Number five, caution. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. First Corinthians 16, verse 13. It says, watch. Stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Also along with uh, caution there, Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 3. Proverbs 22 verse 3. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. Number six, investigate. Proverbs chapter 13, 
Verse 16. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. Investigate. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Investigate. And the last one, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. Our example, Jesus. He's, Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Our example, Jesus, went through everything we are going through, yet was without sin. We must stand in love for what is right. That's not always popular, but we got to do it. Stand for, stand for what is right in love because according to scripture, it's the right thing to do. Don't listen to something else. So I talked about there not being a gray zone. I also talked about this mystery box and the number one to discern, number one way to discern right from wrong. I'm sure most of you have figured it out. It's right here. That's it. That's all you need. That's all you need. I'm not going to tell you don't listen to your parents because they might get mad if I said that. But this is what you need. You don't need a magic eight ball. You don't really need your friends to tell you right or wrong. You don't need social media to tell you right or wrong. You don't need society to tell you right or wrong. You don't need a school teacher to tell you right or wrong. You don't need a principal to tell you right or wrong. This is all you need right here. Open the Bible. Young people, you're way ahead of me. You're way ahead of me already. I wasn't raised in the church. I never went to a tri-state youth series when I was a kid. I never went anywhere when I was a kid with the, with the denomination that I was a part of. You're way ahead. Somebody here tonight loves you enough that brought, to bring you to this tri-state youth series. Take advantage of that. Wrapping it up, 2 Peter, chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, has given to us all things. Last verse we'll look at, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is the standard that should establish the norms for every aspect of our lives. Nothing else. And so when you're wondering on discernment, is this right? Is this wrong? Is this good? Is it bad? Read the Bible. It'll tell you. That's all we have to do. You're way ahead of me where I was. You got a, you got a great future, and you guys are the ones that are going to change the world. But we have to be able to discern properly. And the only way to do that is know what Scripture says. So there may be some of you here that haven't been discerning properly, been making maybe some bad choices, the wrong choice maybe sometimes. And uh, we're here for you if, if you'd like to come forward and confess that. We're here for you, and we'd love to pray with you on, on your behalf to, to help you have that courage and that strength to, to make the appropriate choice according to Scripture. If there are those of you that are not in Christ, we're also here for you if you would like to take care of that tonight. The world will tell you, you don't need to, you don't need to be baptized to be a Christian. What does the Bible say? The Bible will tell you all things you need to know. Scripture says you absolutely 100% have to be baptized to be in Christ, along with several other things. And we would love to study with you and help you if that's, if that's a decision that you're trying to make. But don't wait. Don't wait. I just, I just saw a story about a school bus. Crashed. Kid died on the way home from somewhere. Don't wait. You're not, you're not guaranteed to get back. I'm not even guaranteed to get to my house 10, 15 minutes from here. We're not guaranteed to get back. Don't wait. If you're thinking about it and, and you know, make the decision. Whatever your need is, you can come as we stand and sing.